This is Ditch Diggers Season 7, Episode 17, brought to you by our sponsor, Scribophile. Ditch Diggers appear and ain't no wannabes here with some not so nice advice for your writing career. To be clear, no punches will be pulled, but the punch may be spiked. How they like before they get on the mic. To my left, we got the mighty Mer Lafferty. And if I piss her off, believe me, she'll come after me. And her co host, Matt. Evan Wallace on the right, yes she may be half as hype as she can take him in a fight. So settle in folks, buckle in and boot up. Time to meddle in a way to make your writer shut up. It's hard work, but the perk is that it's fun and exciting. Facebook will still be there when you're done writing. Ditch Diggers! Happy to have my co-host and dear, dear friend, Matt Wallace, back. We miss you, dude. I miss you all. I mean, not all of you individually. I certainly miss you, and I miss the audience as an abstract concept. I don't know each of them individually, so it's not accurate to say I miss all of them. Mm-hmm. But I am happy to be back. Uh, as I said before, except no substitutes, except for all the substitutes that you had for me. Yes, these many months but they were very very good substitutes i believe they were alistair stewart pinch pinch hitted pinch hitted i don't even know how to say that for you a couple of times uh that's ea podcasts in the chat so good to see you al love al my brother from another mother that's right so what you been up to oh you know traveling the world Getting my head right. Actually, no, you can't travel the world right now. Why would anybody... <laughs> Traveling the world, spreading pandemic. You know? Yes, just the Johnny Appleseed of COVID. No, that's, what oh, I be- that's what I became in my time off. No, I stayed in literally this very room. Not literally this room the whole time. My house the whole time. Right. Uh, leaving only when necessary. But in my mind, I traveled the world and uh, sought peace and perspective. And to get my head right... And uh, failed miserably. I am, right. in no, I am in no better shape than when I went on hiatus from the podcast. I think my primary mistake was, mistake was I went on hiatus from the podcast, but I kept doing everything else. Uh. So I achieved, I achieved nothing except having a little less to do during the week. And less, apparently, and less quality that, time with your friend Murr. And less quality time with you. So I accomplished uh, nothing mentally. You know, practically, I accomplished things. I finished a new book that is coming out in January. Got that all locked and done. So that was a con. That was a concrete achievement of the hiatus. That is the uh, the supervillain's guide to being a fat kid. By the way, it's my new middle grade book coming out in January. It was shamelessly plugged. Wait for that one. That. I'm very excited too. It's a very different. Very different than anything I've ever written before, even for middle grade, and just very, very personal book. So I'm really excited about that. Hope we're able to. Matt's other middle grade book is Bump. It is. It's behind you. It's yeah. right there on the shelf. Yeah, that came out January of this year, and uh, I'm also very proud of that. Love it very much. If you haven't checked that out, please do. Or if you have, you have eight to twelve year olds in your life. I think they would enjoy it. I wrote it for them. But you know, adults can read it too if they want. But I didn't write it. I didn't write it for you though. Yeah, so. if you pick up uh, Matt's book, Bump, and my book, uh, Minecraft: The Lost Journals, you won't get any kind of deal at all. But you'll make us happy. You will. You'll have a great, you know, young reader, middle grade double shot written mm-hmm. by the Ditch Diggers. So you should definitely do that. Definitely yes. buy them in tandem. 
Yeah. There should be like a package deal. We should have like done like a cross promo thing with that. Of course, that's a tie-in, so the licensing and the rights and everything. Yeah. Always, yeah. Yeah. Stuff. And I don't make any more money anyway. Yeah, that's true. Because you know, it's all work for hire. So, but no, I'm very proud of all that. Anyway, so shameless plugs aside, that was a concrete thing I did accomplish during the hiatus, and thank you for giving me the time and the space to, to do that while doing all the other things that I do. And then I have continued tirelessly to create new video games uh, that you won't be able to play for a long time because <laughs> it's, a, it's a long process. But I'm very proud of the work I'm doing right now, even though I can't talk about any of it because no video game writer can ever talk about anything they're working on. Yeah. Which, is why, which is why I really I think you don't know a lot of video game writers. Because we don't, we can't talk about anything we do, ever. So... We yeah, kinda... I know a lot, but I think I'm on the out, uh, outliers because I'm yeah, down I... the street from one, and I know you. And <laughs> no, right? I meant like the general public. Oh, yeah. Right. We as we as writers do not count. Like we know plenty of other writers, <laughs> so that. But I mean, like in the public sphere, you don't know video game writers like you know novelists or even comic book writers. Right. You know, we just because we can't we can't we're talking about what we do, so we're not out there plug-in projects and keeping people abreast of stuff because we're not allowed to. So it's just so that's something I was thinking about recently. It was just, it's just an interesting thing. You know, it's uh, not even a marketing thing because I think about if you did talk about what you were doing, the fans would find something wrong with it. And they would yell at you for not doing that other thing that they told you about. They emailed you about 37 times last year and you still haven't put it in the game. And uh, I, I was working at Red Storm Entertainment when we had just started putting forums on our site. This was 1999. And wow. suddenly we were encountering people. The idea of a laser scope on a gun for Rogue Spear, uh, no, for Rainbow Six, was, it's like it was a forever argument. These guys would not let up, and the the producers are just like we're not doing that for all of these reasons and they're like no you must hear my argument about the laser laser scope <laughs> fucking laser scope man and they had to read all this shit because i was moderating oh wow that must have been i can't even imagine moderating a, a video form of video game fans in 1999 mm-hmm. that literally sounds like what happens when you're sent to hell like as punishment this is why i don't like forums i don't oh no yeah i despise forums to this day 20 years later but no video game fans like all fans of everything are awful um (laughs) we need them we need them out there being awful because that's how we make our living but when you get fans of anything together in a group especially on the internet it just goes south so fast mer so incredibly fast Mm -hmm. and uh and I respect anybody out there doing the work in fandom to try to make it less toxic, but it's just, it's hard work. Fandom is a tough thing yeah. to reconcile. But anyway, you're making uh, video games. You also came out with Savage uh, Bounty, which is the yes. other Savage, book in this yeah. stack. I hope, that, it would yeah. look, hope it would show up a little bit better, but it's not. I'm sorry. But those are all Matt's books right there. Those are all my books right there. I mean, not all the books. I mean, those are the most current ones that I've had. Over. That's, right. that's the last year of my life, basically, on the show. Because Savage Legion came out July 20th of last year, and then Bump came out in January, and then just one year later from Savage Legion, the sequel, Savage Bounty, came out last month on the 20th. So that is like, yeah, that's literally the last year of my life. Not a bad way to spend a year, 
I figure. No, I mean, I, I wrote all these. I wrote all these things way in advance, so I guess it's not how technically how I spent the last year, but that's what I have to show for. I guess the previous couple of years before that. Anyway, yeah. So no, I have books out, and that's a good thing. And so do you, Murder, and we write books, and that's why we're here talking to everybody about the business Indeed. of writing books. Indeed, good segue, man. No, I try to do. I try to, you know, I've tried not to lose my trade craft during the hiatus. That's right. No, but I, I will tell you seriously. I uh, I reflected on one thing I did during the hiatus, in addition to all the other things we just talked about. Um, I reflected a lot on this podcast and kind of my role within it and what we do here, Mur. And I started to question whether. Not that, not whether I wanted to keep doing the podcast. I love doing podcasts with you. You're, and not, I you're not dumping me live on stream, right? No, okay. I would never. I would never do that. If I did, it would be like a pro wrestling kayfabe planned ahead kind of thing that we do for like publicity. That sounds um, awesome. I know it's a great idea. I mean, I've blown the spot by announcing it on the air like this, but that would have been a good idea if we'd had it and not told everybody already. Uh, could have generated some good heat with that. No, we'll keep that in our back pocket when yeah. we really run out of ideas. No, but no, so anyway. No, it's not about doing podcasts with you. I imagine I will always do a podcast with you in some form or the other, but I just suddenly felt like I didn't want to give advice anymore to anyone about the business of writing. I really kind of got sick of the idea and started to feel very hypocritical to me, kind of like a fraud. And I realized the problem was I I have reached this place in my career and my life this year where I just feel like I don't know anything. Like everything I thought I knew about doing this as a profession, I don't really know. You know, like with the book thing, I don't know how to. I don't know how to sell books. I have no idea. I don't. My books don't sell. I don't know. I don't know why they sell. I don't know why books that sell really well. I don't know what they're doing, and they don't either. Those authors have no idea. Nobody really knows. And just everything about navigating this industry. Uh, I just started. I just started to get really down on the idea of like, how can I tell anyone what they should be doing when I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> after 15, 16 years, or however long we've been doing this crap, or I've been doing this crap. Um, and yeah, I didn't know how to reconcile that for 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 a long time, for many months. I really kind of just had that in the back of my mind and didn't didn't really want to do with it. Didn't yeah. want to do deal with it. I know words. I do them for a living. That's right. You do them. And you know. And then so we got, so we got together ahead of me coming back here because we prep. We're professionals. Yes, we, you know, did. we did. We did prep. It's amazing. Did. I didn't turn did. off the mic. Turn on the mic in time, but we did prep everything else. <laughs> it was the one thing we didn't cut. Well, you had the post it, so I, I figured I didn't. It. it was supposed to I, work. I didn't need to write it down because it was already written down somewhere. I should have double written it down. I should have written it down in the notes that I took. Then I could have reminded you to look at your post-it. Yeah. Anyway. I'll just put that as a general note. I'll put look at your post-its. That way, anything you've written on a post-it, you'll check. That's a, that's a good good bit of uh, two-factor authentication. That's not what that means. <laughs> no, it's not. At all. Oh, roll with it. Roll with it. You were saying. Well, we, we talked yesterday. We were, yeah. So we, got, we, were, we were talking yesterday, and you were you were able to kind of lend some perspective to, to what I was telling you, thankfully, because I think I really needed some. Right. And I figured out that it was it was really less about how I feel about what I do in the show and how I feel about giving advice. Well, there were two things that really came up when we talked. The first was it was less about how I feel about the show and giving advice and more about how I'm feeling about my own career and my own journey and that there's a place you come to 
when you do this as a profession, the longer you do this, where you kind of feel like the more you do it, the less you know somehow. Yeah. And I, I think that's true of everybody to an extent. Well, that's like the classic, I, I, I probably, there's a name for it somewhere, but, you know, they say that if somebody's really, really, really confident about something, that probably shows they don't know shit about it. And they just are going to think that everything's going to go fine. And the more you experience something, the more you learn about the layers and the subtleties and the details, then you realize that you can't know everything because there's so, it's like stuff out there is so vast. Yeah. So it's like, as you know more, you realize you know less. And so it's, it's a weird balance to have to strike. But I think, you know, you're reaching that balance. You're like, oh, wow, this is not as easy well, not even easy. We didn't think it was easy, but there's still so much to learn and try to figure out. No, and that's kind of, it's like, it's a good thing when you find the perspective on it. Because you're right, it's so vast. And the other thing is, it's always changing. These days, technology is moving, the industry is moving, fucking pandemics come up, and then that throws a monkey wrench into everything in the world. Mm-hmm. And, like, you're always adapting and pivoting. But it's good to, you know, you you really do get into a dangerous place when you feel like you've got this on lock. Or, like, you feel like, all right, I've got... I've got what I do down. I know how I market me. I know how I sell me. I know how I do business. I know what my corner of this business is and how everything works. Like that can be really dangerous because it's it, nothing stays static. Your career doesn't stay static. The market doesn't stay static. And the publishers you work with aren't static. Like everything is constantly in flux. And you know you can have you you can have good fundamentals and you can have good principles and you can have a good idea, but. You'd like with the craft of writing, even though you know I hate to talk about the craft of writing on the show, uh, you're, you you constantly have to be learning because if you stop, you just stagnate, and that's when you get into heaps of trouble. And then, you know, the way you can stagnate creatively, if you stagnate professionally, that starts messing with your money, and that's a real problem. Yeah. So. Um, I do want to say this will be released in our RSS feed later, so people here probably know because they probably saw it, but uh, on a recent I Should Be Writing, I interviewed Tobias Bakel. And he talked about what he calls the uh, sort of stock market of his career, where everyone hopes and thinks that their career is just going to go up, 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 when really it, it does the stock market thing. Like, something cool happens, you get a sale, and then, oh, no, it, it's something bad happened, or years pass, and then, oh, something else bad, good happened, and then it goes up and down and up and down. And mm. it's not this success follows success follows success line. Um I am, I don't want to get into it detailed, but I am dealing with my own problem of, um, I have felt confident about a couple of projects, a couple of things I've been working on in the past, like, two years. And when other professional people see them, they disagree with me. And now I'm doing the, I can't, trust my own opinion on my work i don't even know what to think and it's bugging me because you want to say you've got confidence in your own stuff but it's like i pitched three books to orbit six weeks was the one i was least excited about yeah and that one got that one was the rocket not literally not the Hugo Award, but it was the it was the one that did better than anything else, right. and I'm like, wow, I wasn't excited about that. I, I did like it once I finished it. I, I you know I appreciate the story. I think it's 
really good, actually. But it's... It, I was not excited about it or confident about it at the beginning. And I'm starting to worry if I've got that journeyman mindset. But then, do I do the... Uh, I'm not confident about something, which means I'm probably going to do well. And then I feel confident again because I believe the pattern. But just And then I worry because I'm confident again. This was better told in an episode of Arrested Development where Tobias was supposed to be playing someone frightened... And so he showed up, and he got frightened, and then he got confident, but then he got frightened again because he was confident, and that was not good, and then he just thought, I'm ready. So. I wish we could have Carl Weathers come and explain it all. Oh, Carl Weathers could have fixed everything. He could have told us how to take all the shit on my desk right now and make a stew out of it. Baby, you got yourself a stew. No, Carl Weathers' writing coach would be the best thing ever. Oh, my God. Uh, we should make that happen. He replied to me on Twitter once, so I guess that means we're friends now. You're all I friends. Can ask, yeah. I could ask if he would come and be our guest writing coach for an episode. I would just love to hear what he would say, honestly. <laughs> no. <laughs> you do know it's probably the TV writers that did that. Carl Weathers is not actually like that. No, I know, but I mean, whatever whatever happened, it would be amazing. It's just my feeling. Just having Carl Weathers on would be amazing. Yeah, talking talking about writing, whether he knows about it or not. Yeah. In fact, the less he knows about it, the better the episode would be, I feel. Yes. But uh, no, but it's it's so strange how uh, something like something good like that, like you pitched an idea and they bought it and it was really successful. How something like that can actually shake your confidence in yourself. Yeah. Again, but no, I totally get it because you start questioning. I've had the same. I've had the same thing happen. I'm actually going through a version of that right now. It's really funny you brought that up. We didn't even talk about this, but I pitched a bunch of ideas that I was really confident in. The publisher didn't like them, and then like a throwaway one is the one they got excited about. And it really does make you. I mean, you're grateful, and you're like, well, at least they liked something that I came up with. But at the same time, you start to question, like, where you know, is my barometer screwed? Like. Yeah. What if, what if all the ideas I like are bad, and I've I've been tossing out all the ideas that could have been the big bestseller idea? You start to think like that, and that's that gets really dangerous, man. Because you just become like Jim Carrey in the number twenty three, but with your own ideas. You start like looking for all the hidden meaning in everything you do. Like, is this the one? Yeah. Is this the one that was foretold? And there's you can't do that, you know. I think you have to you have to get to a place where like part of the trade craft is you know that you always have to pivot to other things and you never know how other people are going to react to them. Cause it's not, there's no standard. There's no standardized way to measure any of this stuff. It's always just a person or a couple of people that are reacting to things. Yeah. And the, the, the quality of the lunch they had that day could affect how they react to three ideas. You pitched them, you know, or you could pitch them three ideas on Monday and they pick one. If you pitched them on Friday, they would have picked another one. Like there's no way to quantify any of this stuff. Yeah, I, I believe it's been proven that uh, people are paroled more in the morning than in the afternoon because the judge is getting tired and hungry and stuff and wants to end the day. But if you like get them in the morning when they'll listen and maybe sympathize or whatever, but not at the end. So yeah. a lot of it's the same. And as an editor, I see that too. If I see three stories that I just don't like, I back off. I'm just like, I can't judge stories right now clearly I need a food or just to be mad at something or whatever, but these stories will suffer if I don't step back. So I try to be aware of that as an editor. But, um. No, that awareness is uh, very admirable. I think more editors 
more high level editors probably don't have it in need more of it to be honest with you yeah um there are there is a little bit of the chat if i can interrupt you matt um just want to say hi to people so yes thank you to everybody who told me again we didn't have audio but uh nobels is here truck poetry's here shale is here uh todd is here and uh let's see catwood showed up cinema am i saying that right it looks like cinema um uh lex wow i cannot read laxium it's the old eyes thing it's just yeah uh, Helljack is here, my webmaster. Yes, Helljack is Hell yelling at you. Hi, boss. Sarcasmatron is here. And uh, Jay Gerhold. And... Tree Lobsters. Tree Lobsters, yes. So, That's uh, a good one. They did ask if we were talking about uh, imposter syndrome. Underpope is amazed that even Matt gets imposter syndrome. Everybody, everybody gets imposter syndrome. No, actually, we didn't. We didn't come into this really meaning to get into that so much. Although that is part of what we're talking about. I guess here. so. Yeah. Um, but you know, you always kind of got to let it flow where it flows, and that's that's kind of where it flows because we're both dealing with some uh, mirroring issues right now in our careers and our creative process. So, but anyway, the other side of that, or if I may get back to like the central, because that's reminding me, we did have an idea for where we wanted all this to go. Sure, take it, man. No, but the, so I said the first thing that you offered me was perspective on how I was feeling, and the other thing that we kind of got to was it, bringing it back to how it relates to the podcast and Ditch Diggers and how we do things, you know, because I, I was kind of like trying to pivot in this way. Maybe I don't want to give advice anymore. Maybe I just want to like be experiential and just share experiences that people can take from that what they what they may. Um, but then we started talking about what we're going to get into a little bit uh, for the like proper topic centric part of this episode which was uh, there's a you know brand new shiny scam going around that's netting a lot of netting a lot of authors and getting money out of them and we started talking about and this was just a casual conversation we started talking about or i started talking about like how in 2021 with the internet and not judging them we're just really baffled by yeah. how this is still a thing like how can people not know that you're not supposed to give people money to publish your shit yeah. like if you want to work with a publisher like how can they not know that again no judgment on the people i'm not saying it is a deficiency in them i'm saying it's a deficiency in whatever system we have in place to like let writers know stuff because yeah. that that stuff is so basic and intrinsic to like you and me yeah. who've been doing this for so long but still we've got generation after generation coming up that don't know these things and i think sometimes i in particular and we talked about this on the show before, but I, I always kind of let it slip away, is we take a lot for granted as professionals that there's a lot of stuff that people come in this business, really based, stuff we think is really basic, people don't know because nobody tells them. Yeah. And that's kind of why we do this show. And I think I lost sight of that a little bit. I started thinking, like, well, if I don't have all the high-level wisdom to offer people, if I'm not an expert on the whole thing, yeah. industry of freelance writing, who am I to sit here? and tell anyone anything like that's the headspace i had gotten in and you kind of brought me back down to earth and made me realize like there was a lot of value in just giving writers who are entering any industry that employs writers really basic level of information and education on things like don't give these scammers your money and that's that's worth doing and it's a thing that we are totally qualified to do yeah and it's a thing that we should we should be doing so that was that was the other the end of that as we got to that kind of conversation that's that's when i realized 
maybe I'm overthinking this a little too much and expecting a little too much of us and of myself personally Fair. in terms of in terms of educating people. So, yeah. so yeah. To, so to get back to, I'm sorry, Mariah, I mean, do you want to add anything? Well, to that? yeah. I just it's funny for me because um, it just could be my mood lately, but it's like. I sometimes, I've been doing this for seven, you know, 17th, uh, 17th season of I Should Be Writing, 7th season of Ditch Diggers. It's like, I've probably said everything that's in my <laughs> head more than once that's, you know, useful to writers. But the thing is, not everybody wants to go back to the beginning. When they do, it scares me. But... They don't want to go back to the beginning. They want to like listen to this year's or the past couple and see if they fit. And there are people who still need to hear some of the stuff very obviously. I'll think, have I not been talking about this? Like the whole internet listens to me. Have I not been talking about this one thing over and over again? And then I just realize my reach isn't that large and then I get sad. But it's, <laughs> well, that's, that's another show and another yeah, topic. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, uh... Yeah, Helljack says, new folks fall for shit. It's a basic law of the newbie. Yeah. It is that. And on that note, Merv, let's talk about some basic-ass scams that are being repackaged out there because that was that's kind of making headlines in the last uh, week or so. It's current. It's it topical. It's current. Topical? So can you, run it, can you run it down what we're referring to, Merv? I can. Uh, give me a second. I want to thank um, in our Discord uh the kids are asleep, um, also known as Valerie, often post things that are either uh, very important news-wise to writers or like this or like contests or, or schedules. Oh, wait, no, I can't look at this because then I get the, the picture off of you. Let me see if I could pull yes, this up. Yes, and then my, your screen becomes me in the frame there. Yeah. Alistair actually DM'd me before. Like, I think the Google chat is in your screen there. You should probably get rid of that. Yeah, yeah. Fortunately, we weren't shit-talking anyone in the Google chat, so I don't think it was an issue. Why didn't he tell me? He knows I'm the one who's the producer. Oh, well. I don't know. Anyway. Um, anyway, so I, I can't open it because I'll take Matt away, but essentially there's another Publish America out there. They want to, they're calling themselves a hybrid publisher, which doesn't make a lot of sense because mm -hmm. they, uh, you're either a publisher or you're not. You can't have, you can't be a publisher with one foot in the publishing world and one foot in the self-pub world. So they're um, <laughs> kind of straddling the line. They'll take your money and they'll call themselves your publisher, but they won't be your publisher. And the contract you sign doesn't have doesn't say what happens to your rights at all. Not not even like they take them all. There's just not mentioned in there. And people can they often take uh, I believe they take a class or a college course, and then they're kind of funneled into um, um they're kind of funneled into this program to self publish their own book. Right. And that's when, you know, they start paying publishers to publish their book. And the thing is, is that since to self-publish, you should spend some money. Sometimes people get confused about yeah. what is what is good money flow versus bad money flow. And the thing is, you want to think about how does the person on the other end make their money if you got a cover designer they make their money from art they sell the art they license the art whatever so you you give them money 
when publishers make money, they're supposed to make money selling your book. So if you're giving them $10,000, they're thinking, I had 10,000 bucks. I don't need to sell your book. You sell your book, send it to your, your family and your best friends. And, uh, since they don't, since legitimately they don't tell you that, um, it's like people still, I've had people argue with me that we should be paying agents because they do a job. And I'm like, no, we should pay <laughs> agents 15% of the money they bring in. And, uh, so the publisher and the agent don't get paid until you sell a book. And so yeah. they work hard to sell your books. Publishers, maybe not always, but we're not talking about marketing and stress right now. And thank you, Alistair. I was mostly teasing. I was trying to be totes profesh too. I'm surprised I have not accidentally put the camera on my email uh, during this. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm hitting all the, the cylinders today. I don't even know what that means. But anyway, your turn. Uh, Nobella said a good line in the chat. There are no hybrid publishers. There are hybrid authors. Yes, and I think exactly. that actually is a very good tenet to observe very, very succinctly put. Um, if you're self-publishing, you know, you, you're self-publishing, then you can also traditionally publish. You can be a hybrid author, but a publisher is one thing or another. And you hit on it. You hit on a really good thing. It is like once upon a time, I just would have told people straight up, never give anyone money to publish your book, period, in any form or fashion. But we do have gray areas now because if you are self-publishing, you do technically want to give some people money to help you publish your book. You may want to pay an editor. You may want to pay a cover artist. And like you said, that's where these lines can get blurry because that's where people taking advantage of you, like this new company, uh, can pretend to offer value where they're not actually bringing any value uh, to it. So... I think the I think the framework you put there is a really good one. You always have to ask, where is this person making their money? Like, where is their uh, where does their interest lie? And if their interest is in not in making money off you selling your book, then they're not bringing any value to what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. and that place really is charging. Literally, you said ten thousand, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's that's what I read, right? I think it's three to ten thousand, depending on the package. That's so sick of it. I, uh, I read about it from Victoria Strauss on Writer Beware. I've mentioned Writer Beware. Actually, I don't know if we've talked about Writer Beware on this podcast, but it's an excellent resource. Uh, the uh, late, great A.C. Crispin and Victoria Strauss started Writer Beware, which is an excellent center area where you can research pretty much anybody who's professionally involved in publishing. There's a lot of people who just say, hey, I got queried, an editor contacted me or an agent contacted me. Is this legit? And you'll have probably somebody in there who can tell you, or there'll be an archived thread or something about that person because it's, writers have been talking there for a long time about these various scams and Publish America and all that. So, um, what is this new one, by the way? Can we call it out by name? Because I always think that's important. The, I didn't, I guess, right see, I, that was my problem. I couldn't uh, look it up because I would take the picture away from you, so somebody else is going to have to, unfortunately. Um, <clears throat> Transmedia Agency. Yes, that's what it was. Right. For the extra, for the extra hybrid sounding yes. vibe in there. So, yeah, don't give them any money. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just really, and again, and the theme of getting back to basics and 101 and stuff that new writers coming into this don't know, 
if you are seeking a traditionally published route, if you are seeking an agent to represent you to publishers and publishers to make and sell your book, don't give anyone money, ever. You don't pay agents, you don't pay publishers in that context, you don't pay editors. You don't pay anyone to publish your book. They all make money when you make money. Mm -hmm. So just don't do it. And then if you're going to go the self-publishing route, you need to apply the uh, kind of the algorithm that we laid out there, which is anyone that you are going to include in that process, where is their value coming from and where are they making their money? Like, those are the questions you need to ask. Like yeah. said, the cover designers, yeah. The people that you hire um, will get, should get paid once or twice if you do like upfront and when you're done, but it's like, for them, it doesn't matter how good the book does or not. They're going to do their job, and they're going to move on right. to the next job. It's because, again, publishers and agents, they have they have to sell your book because it makes them money. But, yeah. So, uh, we're getting the... Is it, uh, Dice Lily, pardon me if I'm saying that wrong, uh, says, this isn't limited to fiction publishing. There are a ton of fake research journals. Wow. And Elder oh, yeah. says, transmedia agency, that's like business company or content media. Yeah, basically. But I mean, you know, again, if you're new, it just sounds like, oh, that sounds futuristic. I'm like, yeah. you're really doing something there. $10,000 more. It's, it really sickens me. There's a whole industry, and it's not just limited to these, like, vanity publisher scams. I shouldn't say vanity publisher anymore, probably. Um, but it's not just limited to these type of services. There's, like, a whole industry that makes just an obscene amount of money off of writers, like, whether it's all these companies that act as middlemen between writers and getting them gigs, which can be very exploitive. Like, I've had really bad experiences with a lot of those services, you know, sort of selling them services to, to work on a book that they're not even going to help them sell. It's just, it's so hard to make money as a writer. It just seems like it's so much easier to make money <clears throat> exploiting, exploiting writers. Yeah. But I guess, yeah, the money, but I guess the big money has always been an exploitation in any industry you go to. Yeah, uh, this is a little bit off topic, but I'm in thinking about uh, changing or, or adding to my income stream. I've been listening to a lot of digital marketing entrepreneur type podcasts, and there's this one person who makes a ton of money. But the thing is, their job is to teach someone like me how to make money. And so I really, it's like as I'm listening to them, I still have that feeling of, you're the person who sells shovels during the gold rush, aren't you? Yeah. You're going to make more money than anybody else just by giving us a shovel or selling us a shovel. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Oh, yeah, like Truck Poetry just said the same thing. Um, yeah. No, that's a really good analogy. And you had, a, you had another good one. I know because I wrote it down when we did our very professional uh, prep call in writing up this episode because another thing another hurdle you kind of encounter to educating writers is other writers who have used these services uh may actually justify or recommend them to other people which further legitimizes them yeah and you, were, you were kind of comparing it and i thought it was a really good analogy to that whole uh, ink masters thing where people who get really messed up tattoos have to like rationalize to themselves why they aren't messed up, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I, I could be wrong, you know. It's it's possible that 
being on TV makes you nervous and you just got tattooed and you, you're not going to show your true emotions because it's weird or whatever, it, it, they may like it at all. Uh, they may like it after all, but it still feels like sometimes someone would get a tattoo and everyone would be looking at it. And th- this was like where the, the human canvases were voting for the best tattoo and the worst tattoo. And even when you look at it and you think, objectively that's all wrong like the 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 animal has too many joints or the all the colors the same or something really terrible and they're just kind of like well i like it it's exactly what i asked for and i'm thinking (laughs) of course you're gonna say that it's gonna be on your body until you get a painful cover-up or removal um and sometimes hearing people say that they are very satisfied with the fact that they spent $10,000 to make a book to sell to their parents and their best friends is like, well, you can't go back now, so might as well just say, uh, uh, and you don't want to admit you got scammed. Yeah, and so, you want to be like, yeah. I meant to do that. It's possible they're right. It's possible that they know everything that's going on is still completely happy with the situation. But like you said... They're going to tell other people, and that's not. Yeah, cool. it, it further legitimizes it, you know, especially the people who don't don't know any better and are, are new to to all of this. And that's that's another thing you got to look out for, man. Yeah, uh, Underpoke points out it's a sunk cost fallacy. You put yeah. a lot of money into your book, it's hard to walk away. Yeah, so uh, it's sort of like being a degenerate gambler. You know, it's like you haven't you haven't lost until you walk away from the table. You know, mm-hmm. so you just keep playing. I am breaking into our discussion here because I wanted to give a shout out to our sponsor, Scribifile. A lot of people ask me if uh, I know a way they can start a writer's group or join a writer's group or what to look for in a writer's group or beta readers or whatever. And I work alone a lot, so I don't really have an answer for that. But then I found out about Scribifile and it's exactly where people want to be. It's... uh, you can upload your stuff, you can get detailed critiques from other people, you can find beta readers, you can help other people out by giving them critiques. Um, it's been endorsed by Writer's Digest and NaNoWriMo and uh, what else do I recognize? Predators and Editors and has made several lists of uh, 100 best websites for writers. There is a free membership and a paid membership and uh, I recommend you check it out because it looks pretty sweet even on the free level but thank you for your uh, sponsorship Scribophile and if you guys want to check them out check out scribophile.com and I'll have that in the show notes uh, Will has a question real quick yeah. how much does the author work with the PR for a publishing company I had a friend who's debuting next year and they made her do her own cover reveal she announced it on Twitter and Instagram. That is, it depends on what publisher. Um, some people, it's it's good to have your publisher be excited about your book. Maybe they didn't think a cover reveal was important. I don't know. Um, I'm doing a novella with Audible, and I said, hey, when can I announce this? And they're like, yeah, we don't really promote it until it gets closer to launch. So if you want to announce that this is happening, go for it. So, um but then other places would not let me say a word until they okayed it and made the announcement and it's picked up in Locus and all of that. So uh, it depends on the publishing company, and it's a pretty sore subject for a lot of writers right now because 
a writer with a couple thousand followers is not going to make as big of a splash as if a publisher puts it out on their social media and their blog and all that. Yeah, I mean, even then, though, you know, it depends on the imprint that you're with. Because uh, you can you can be with an imprint of a very, well, you know, one of the, like, was it three companies now that publish all the books in the world? Um, I can be lost count, even though they're yeah. getting smaller numbered. Whatever. Point being, you can be with an imprint of one of those huge publishing conglomerates, and then you may have a larger social media presence than that imprint does, which is, you know, not necessarily what you want, but it's not uncommon either. I speak yeah. from experience. I speak from experience on this one. Uh, I mean, like Mer said, you, and you're not wrong. Right? It really does. Different publishers treat certain things like that differently. Some put more emphasis on a thing like a cover reveal than others do. Some put more emphasis on like finding blurbs than others do. You know, I work with publishers who were very active in that, and other authors who were like, "Well, in this market, I don't really think blurbs matter that much. I and mean, we'll get them, but we're not going to like." worry too much about them so it just depends on the attitude your publisher takes i will say uh as a general rule and the more that i go on coming back to things i've learned and unlearned uh you should be pushing and if you have an agent they should be pushing for your publisher to do as much of the marketing and pr lifting as they possibly can because they're fucking supposed to yeah like just flat out they have people full-time on staff whose job is to market and publicize your book and they should be doing it. Now, often those people are very overworked, and we've had Mike Underwood on the show before and talked about this, and it can be tough, and I do feel for them, but from your perspective as the author, you should be pushing as hard as you can for them to do as much as possible to promote and publicize your book uh, as you can. If you feel like you are the only one publicizing your book, that's not right. That's not how it's supposed to be, just flat out. Yeah, The uh, so Will, I was, I was about to make the same point. Um, tell your friend's agent to get on it because yeah. if if the book's not promoted it's if people talk about oh well the good cream rises to the top it's if it's a good book it'll sell no that's bullshit. absolute bullshit bullshit no um merit has nothing to do with any of this like no. you need to, that's another one-on-one thing you need to learn right away like you can you can win the lottery you can be that one in a million case where it really was organic word of mouth that really grew something that does happen but 99.9% of the time, what is going to sell your book is your publisher getting out there with a heavy marketing push and raising awareness and sending out a million ARCs and really getting the word out. Like, if they're not willing to do that, then it, odds are very good your book just isn't going to sell very well. Just yeah. straight up. That's, that's the truth. It's, um, yeah, I was, I heard someone did research on, author promotion versus publisher promotion and publisher promotion is just like way way more effective than author promotion um there have been a request to show off the savage bounty cover so oh uh, that's very sweet no it's an amazing cover that is chris that's chris mcgrath uh the amazing chris mcgrath very lucky to have chris back uh from uh also did the savage legion cover which is also very cool um and uh you know in that particular case, I, I did that cover reveal, and you know, it is what it is. Uh, but yeah, things like that help. Having a really good cover helps, but it doesn't help if no one sees it. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, I get very upset when we start talking about this. I'm trying yeah. to parents. But know. yeah, but yeah, brass tacks. Push for your publisher to be doing as much marketing and publicity as you possibly can. Ask a lot of questions. 
ask an annoying amount of questions. And I know that's hard. Instinct for a lot of authors is not to push. And it's yeah. not to like feel, oh, I'm being too pushy. That, man. Like, ask all the questions. There are no dumb questions when it comes to asking a publisher about publicity and marketing your book. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's that's fair. Um, we should probably start tying up. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I I want to talk to you forever because, dude, I've missed you, especially no, on the show. Too. Unfortunately, I've got I did not schedule my week very well, so I need to head out shortly. But um, what else did you want to touch on? Uh, I mean, I think we you know just that back to the basics kind of approach, and then a few important basics. I think we covered some good stuff, and yeah. uh, just happy to be back. Do we have time to do some Q and A? Or I think so yeah. Um, I do want to say that uh, if you have any questions about uh, I, someone's telling me to pay them X for Y service is where does this fall and what you're talking about, I'll be happy to, to answer. No problem. I, I do not want anybody to. And it's really just like screwing up your dream. That's what it's doing. Yeah. And uh, this is hard enough. Maybe if you say that to people like that, they would be more. Uh, would rather not, they'd be more willing to fight when you remind them this is their dream. I have to pull up the email on my uh, phone for pre reasons I previously stated. <laughs> uh, oh, we did have one. Uh, I don't know if they're still in the chat. Uh, Cinema was asking something on Discord. Uh, crap. There's so many platforms where. I know, I know. Um, you can start with this one while I pull up the other email. Uh, yeah, uh, Cinema says, definitely more of a Dirt Butler's question. So I forgot to tell you, we are changing our name to Dirt but Butler's, thanks to Alistair Stewart. I, I heard um, about the Dirt Butler's. It's way classier, so I'm yeah, Very much. Um, I'm trying to refine my in-shopping, i.e. on Zoom, pitch to agents. I'm attending an online conference with some pitch, pitch agent time. Uh, I searched the archives for advice, but I missed. I may have missed it if... Uh, you guys haven't talked about it. Can you touch on that? How would you dealing with this during a pandemic? Oh, pitching over Zoom during mm -hmm. pandemic. Well, I think also just any pitching, but yeah, I was going to say it does add another level. It certainly does, uh, but I mean, you can also look at it like it gives you uh, you know different and more tools as well. Um, you, you know, you can screen share in a Zoom. Maybe you want to use some presentation tools, Ooh. visual aids, you yeah. know, storyboards. Like, get creative with it. Uh, never hurts to make an impression. No, I mean, I think I think general rules of pitching do apply there, and I think practicing is you've already got most of the game down right there because that's the best way to get comfortable doing it is to is to practice it over and over again. And it's really to me, pitching is always about finding your own, not so much style as comfort level. You know, like, how much of a huckster do you want to be? Are you someone that just uh, isn't that good or that comfortable really pushing and selling themselves with an idea? Do you want to just be more casual and sincere about it and talk more on a personal one-to-one -one level? You know, does that work for you? It's really, it's about finding your own pace and your own rhythm. I, I always thought this is just what works for you. Yeah. Well, also, um, something to think about is... Um a lot of people have been surprised at how stress is different. Not necessarily more stressful or less stressful, but the stress they're feeling doing Zoom meetings is very mm -hmm. different, and it's it's a different energy, and a lot of people feel drained after this, and there's, like, 
since that is a thing, I would recommend you record your pitch mm-hmm. and then see how you're looking on camera, see how you are, uh, you know, facial expressions while you're describing your favorite parts of the book or whatever, and then play it back and see where you might not be looking as confident or if there's body language that you should be paying attention to or something. Um, because it, it is a different thing than in person. Yeah, so, it obviously, is. but then a lot of people would think it's just it's just talking to somebody. Yeah, but it, there's something different about all of this. So um, that would be my but, suggestion. Yeah, but I just kind of dovetailing off that though. And again, I think you can use that to your advantage though. You know, if you're someone who gets nervous uh, pitching, especially in person, like there's a level of detachment that can exist also in that Zoom that could be useful. You know, you don't you don't have to feel as under the microscope or in the spotlight of the other person as you do when you're physically in their in their presence you know you can you can think of it more like hey i'm talking to my tv or whatever like Mm -hmm. it can i think i think it can be useful especially for people who get nervous or get more anxiety around pitching you know it's like when i uh back when i was wrestling uh you know one thing that really helped me with the the promo side of it was not focusing on the audience so much as focusing on the microphone that i was holding so you can kind of use Zoom as the, as the microphone. It gives you a layer of detachment from the thing that might be otherwise be your source of anxiety. That is really interesting, dude. Yeah, I just thought I'd throw that out there. It can, you, know, you can use these things to free you instead of feeling trapped by them, I guess is, is right. the general point I'm making. Yeah. Um, I have been bad at doing feedback, so this is a very old question, and I very much apologize if you're still listening to us. If you dropped us out of annoyance that we didn't answer your question, I fully understand. But... Um, I'm wondering about self-employment taxes for my writing. I've read a lot of conflicting advice about this from authors and finance professionals, and I'm wondering whether you all would recommend setting up an LLC or not. Um, I, I know Matt's got a lot to say about this. I don't know how much he wants to say on camera, but uh, I'll just say that I've considered it a couple of times, and I have not felt that um, I made enough. And then I think there was something about North Carolina as well that made it not the best choice for me. Uh, Since I'm making more money now, I've been thinking about bringing it up, but then there's like a pandemic, and so that's not (laughs) a priority for me. I say when you're making money, the safest thing to do is set aside 30% or 33% of what you make and squirrel that away because um, publishers don't take taxes out. Amazon does not take taxes out. They just give you all the money that you made, and uh, you've got to figure that out. So that's why I just throw 33% into another account and just ignore it. No, that's always, I mean, so much of the stuff boils down to where you live and your individual state's requirements and your individual situation. It's very hard to give general advice for this stuff. That, I think, is the one really useful general piece of advice. The first, like, again, one-on-one basics, the thing you need to know is when you're a freelancer, you have to sequester all of your own taxes. So start with that right away as a baseline yeah and then beyond that you really like get the best accountant you can afford that's the other like very general i think piece of advice that works for everybody but somebody who knows freelance writer somebody who knows creative work that's important and i was and i was going to say someone who can then explain to you for the state that you were in and what you were doing and the level you were at here's the best thing that you need to do you need to be filing quarterly you need to do this you need to do that and they can tell you a lot about the incorporating thing when it makes sense for you what type of corporation makes sense for you i'm in the middle of incorporating right now it's a huge pain in the ass but i'm doing it because i've arrived at a place where 
it's not even, I mean, it does relate to how much money you're making, but I, I work so much right now as a freelancer with the same companies because I live in California and there are a lot stricter guidelines for who is a freelancer and who is an employee here. I have to be incorporated to be able to keep doing that because you reach a point where you, if you, if you work too much for somebody, you get in that gray area of like, well, they're not going to want to employ you anymore because then, you know, you're, you can't be a freelancer. You have to be an employee. And that gets into a whole fucked up other thing of like, who should be an employee and is it exploited to be able to do that? But I'm just trying to make a living here. And the situation that I'm in, I find myself in a place where I have to incorporate to keep doing the work that I'm doing and making the level of income that I am privileged to make. So it makes sense for me now where it hasn't for many years before that. It's a very individualistic thing. Yeah. But yeah, like Mark said, sequester taxes first and foremost. Get a good accountant who specializes in or is very knowledgeable about uh, freelance taxes and the guidelines in the particular state that you live in because it does vary very much state to state. There's a lot of uh, individual things there, too. Right. So we got another question, but I think we should use this as a teaser for the next episode because it's a bit, it's too much of a, we, we could talk about this for a long time. And the question is, um, it would be insightful to hear you guys talk about the books you've written that didn't sell, how that feels, especially after you've been published, and why you think publishers, agents don't want those books in particular. We kind of touched on that this time, but we can go deeper in on the next episode if you're cool with that matt yeah absolutely um i think that's all i have in email and did you have any that came your way uh, i didn't i should have been more specific in soliciting on twitter but i don't i don't think we do i need to come back through the hashtag i mean i have a look at the hashtag in forever yeah so that's on that's on me despite our fancy professional preparatory meeting i did not do that but i will yes. do it I will do it for next time. I've just, it's my first day back, folks. Got me some slack. Yes. Yes, you've done, you, you're doing a great job. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you for holding down. Patronizing can I sound. Holding, thank you for holding down the forward in my absence with well, it's, all, it's, of, all of your mistresses, as I call them. Some of them were misters. All of your mistresses and misters. Yes. The other hosts. Yes. Raven's Creations, I'm very sorry. I don't have a hat. I can put on another set of headphones for you. What the hell does that mean? Hats off to you, 1,000. People, people make uh, channel points on Twitch. I'm dropping shit. Channel points on Twitch, and you earn them by being part of the discussion and... Um, or just or being a subscriber or something, and then you can spend them to do oh, yeah. to make the host do something silly or something on, else. Yeah. Oh yeah, let's do numbers. Ninja's gonna bring me bring me a silly hat. That's why you have an assistant. Um, hello. Uh, okay, so it's kind of like Pepsi points, but instead of getting like a denim jacket with the Pepsi logo on it, or a they make you jet. they make you yeah, or a Harrier jet. They make you put ridiculous crap on your head. Yes. But that's just one thing. I've got other right. things. Sometimes it's like hydrate or take a break or something. Um, oh, that's found good. it. Thank you, Numbers Ninja. All right, we got we got the squid hat. Cool. There we go. All right, we are professionals. So, uh, and give the pet a treat. Posture check. Uh, well, always down for that. Posture check, turn on the dog cam, give the pet a treat, things like that. Just gonna sit here and pretend this is all not weird as hell to me. 
Okay, now explain OnlyFans. I gotta go. I got an appointment. <laughs> I'm not gonna explain on OnlyFans. I'm sorry. Um, Matt, let's say where we can find our stuff and other places to find your books beside over my shoulder. Besides over my shoulder. I mean, you know, they're they're available wherever you get your books. Basically, I always uh, encourage uh, supporting independent bookstores if and when you can. The links that are going in the chat right now are is are to IndieBound, which you can uh, use to find an independent bookstore in your area to, that carries our books. So I'm gonna put that in the chat right now. Nice <laughs> See, I don't and remember to will. unmute my mic, but I do remember that. No, you did great, Mer. I'm very impressed, especially with the squid on your head. Uh, yes. Like that. No, but if you go to matt-wallace.com, also, uh, hell, Jack, my intrepid webmaster, who's in the chat right now, uh, has all the buy links uh, for all my books in the book section individually. Take you right to it. You don't even have to search in any bound. Just click the any bound link for any book. It'll take you right to the search and right. bookshop, bookshop as well, which is also good for supporting independent bookstores. Yes. Uh, but yeah, wherever you get your books, basically, my books are there. Man, you can find out what books I have by going to matt-wallace.com. And then I'm most regularly on Twitter at Matt F. And Wallace. Yeah. There you go. And uh, my the show notes for this show and uh, the link and where you can subscribe to the show are on murverse.com, or you can search for Ditch Diggers. I'm pretty sure we're the only one out there. And... Um, Again, you can search for my name and find my books. I have some licensed properties. Uh, the, the Minecraft book I mentioned earlier, the uh, the Star Wars book. Uh, I did the novelization for Solo, and great novelization for Solo. Uh, thank you, dude. I was happy with that one. Um, oh, Will wants you to know that uh, he has a niece that's obsessed with Bump. Oh my god, thank you so much, Will. I love hearing things like that more than I could possibly express to you. That makes me so happy. Thank you. And I'm glad. Yes. And uh, if you're listening to this later, you can find me on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash mightymer, and my main social um, platform is Twitter as well. So that's at mightymer as well. Um, we're going to do a raid. I think Space Valkyries is online. And then we're going to head out, and I'm going to go color my hair purple. I discovered I could not color my hair green because uh, I it would not work with a green screen. So, <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right. Thank you, dude. It's been good to have you back. Um, it's good to be back. Hell, where is it? I can't figure things out. Okay. Yes. Button. I have a button that does it. Okay, we're going to be raiding Space Valkyries. If you're a subscriber, you can do hashtag Murraid and uh, throw some chickens in your emote just to say hi. No, you're still laughing. Are you, I'll show you. Are you watching, My, are you watching just, Twitch right now? Yeah, yeah. I'm watching. Okay. I, see the, I see the thing where you're raiding with 21 raiders, raid mm-hmm. for plus 250, whatever that egg is. Is it an egg? Yes, that's a that's a uh, dinosaur egg. I most of my emotes are uh, Stardew Valley related. Also, Numbers Ninja did them all. If you like their uh, art, you should check them out. And Absolutely. I can't remember if I have a button for that. And now I feel like a bad mother. Um, crud. Anyway, um, yeah, we'll put that in the show notes too. I'll I'll tell you where it is, Matt. 
Okay. Good to have you back. Thanks, everybody. And uh, y'all take care. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. You can support us at patreon.com slash mightymur. Ditch Diggers! Theme song by Devo Spice. DevoSpice.com.